Okay, boys and girls, sports fans, it's Dan here. I'm in downtown San Diego. Haven't been here for a while. I'm with a good buddy of mine, Aaron Fulkerson, who is co-founder and CEO, I think, these days, isn't it? Aaron of MindTouch. Um, first of all, what does MindTouch do? Well, we are a uh, software product that we deliver in the cloud, which companies use to create deeper understanding of their customers by driving mastery of their products. So it's a fancy way of saying that we provide a more modern customer help experience okay. by converting like user manuals and help content into something modern. Okay. So <clears throat> I'm talking to com uh, companies and people like yourself to, dis to try and discover what the secret sauce or the ingredients are that go into making great companies. Okay, and you've had quite a journey to, to get to where you are at this point in time, but what do you think are the most important things that you've got to do, particularly as it relates to people? I think that the, the most important cultural pillar that you've got to build into your company to be successful is a focus on the success of your client. So if what you're doing is optimizing for the success of the client, that's going to be a key pillar that people can rally around. Uh, when I say the success of the client, it's really important to point out that I'm not talking about their happiness. A mm. lot of times customers will pick short-term gains for long-term pain, and it means having the courage to do what's right for the customer, even if that makes them unhappy in the short term. So the reason why that's so important is by staying focused on their success, it aligns all of the departments and sharpens your, your product market fit and drives alignment across all of the departments around, around that. I mean, that, that's kind of the, the, the central guiding principle. And, and in fact, we've talked about this before, Den. Mm. When my co-founder Steve and I talked about, we were going through a really rough patch in the early days of MindTouch where it looked likely that we were going to fail as a business and we came up with two guiding principles, one being that we intended to build a product that our customers loved so much that they recommended. Mm -hmm. And the second principle was around, was very specifically, it was uh, creating a culture that attracted smart, good people that wanted to work hard doing great things. Mm -hmm. So. The, the first about the product that customers love so much they recommend speaks right to the heart of being focused on the success of our customers. And the second one really restates the first because when we talk about a culture that attracts smart, good people that want to work hard doing great things, culture, the, the product is our culture, right? It's, mm. it's uh, cultures, uh, all of the artifacts that we create as an organization, well, that's our product. Uh, so those are the those are the the guiding principles that we've been successful with, mm. and and uh, I spoke about this with you, in fact, previously. I think so. Forgive me if it's repetitive, but the the idea for these two principles was that we recognized that the likelihood of us succeeding as an organization was at that time uh, pretty slim. This was in twenty ten, and um, we were we were defining these two principles because we're like, well, look, if we're going to make a run at this, at least we'll be able to look back and be proud of what we did and our failing. Mm. And it was those two principles that helped us to achieve success as an organization mm. was being focused on those two. So how do you manage this when you're, when you're fast growing? I mean, you, you've been adding people like 
topsy, haven't you? I mean, the last couple of years, you've you've moved from one place to the other place, built out this um, <clears throat> office unit here, dragging more people in. How how do you manage that in such a way that you don't lose that focus? Because that's very easy to do, in my experience. Well, when I'm struggling with a answering a question like you just asked, like how do you maintain a positive mm. culture as you scale up the mm. team rapidly? Mm. Uh, what I do is I seek out people who've been successful with it before. Mm. So I talked to Jay Simons over at Atlassian a few years back, and I said, well, how have you managed to maintain a positive culture at Atlassian when they've been through this massive growth, right? Mm. Um, and his position was, you can't maintain your culture and grow faster than 45% annually. So MindTouch has been maintaining 40 to 45% annual growth in mm. headcount ever since I spoke with Jay. So, so in other words, you, you've actually throttled it in some yep, sense. Absolutely, we have. Right. A hundred, there's, absolutely. So yeah. we... we uh, um, We've done exactly the same thing. I mean, it's 45% is, is uh, the upper bound of what you can sustainably grow your team at. People have done it faster. Uh, Zenefits did it faster. And I spoke with the team over at Zenefits, and I said, how did you guys maintain the culture? And their response was, Oh yeah, you don't. You just don't. There's no. There's no maintaining the culture. That was a car crash. That place wasn't it. Uh, it did not have. Um, uh, I don't think that their growth trajectory helped them. Right? They were adding like I don't. How many was it? Like a thousand people in a no, year and a half or something yeah, ridiculous, ridiculous like that. Yeah. So uh, there's. It had some pretty significant negative side effects that are very public. So I, I think that look. Does it does it mean that we? Which is a kind way of saying it was a shit show. That's kind of why I say it was a shit show. Uh, the, it, our throttling, our headcount growth has definitely impacted our ability to acquire customers. It's definitely throttled that too. But you know what? Life's short and everybody comes in here and they feel very proud to work here. And, and we, we care for one another and we care for the customer along the way is our central focus. It's interesting you say that. I, I have not, not heard that before, that, that 40-45% growth thing. And that makes a lot of sense to me because people, I mean, I get asked, you know, how many of you are there now? And say, oh, well, there's 20, isn't there? 20? Oh, yeah, yeah. But it's taken us four years to get there, yeah? And um, so, well, why is that? I'm really, really careful about the people I want to work with, you know? Very, very careful. Have to be. Otherwise, you lose it, at least in my experience. Yeah, I've had conversations with department heads because I still, I don't, <clears throat> I interview almost everybody. I, I try, occasionally people slip by that I don't interview and I'll do like a 20 minute culture interview just mm -hmm. to see what they're like. Um, most of my questions will focus on uh, their personality, things that they've like, challenges they faced in their life and how that has impacted their, their performance professionally or their behavior person, personally. Um, but uh, occasionally I'll talk to a department head and I'll, I'll say, you know, this person could absolutely do the job. But I think that you deserve somebody who will perform better. So there's been times where mind touchers in their rush to hire because they need to have wanted to hire people who aren't a slam dunk culturally. And uh, I won't veto them because they're not necessarily a bad hire. They're just not the best hire. And I'll provide that feedback in that form. It's like, I think you deserve, hey, they can do the job. I think you deserve better. And uh, so far, the department heads have taken that advice and then come back to me and said, I'm really glad you said that you were right, because this person I hired instead, that really is, I, I, I get it now. Mm. now. I guess in turn, that allows them to better understand what it is that's expected 
and how the how the culture because one person cannot dictate the entire culture, can they? I mean, you can set the tone, right? Which is why we're having this conversation. But no individual can get that percolated throughout the organization without passing it on, can they? No, not not this, not the founders, no. not department heads. It, mm. It's culture, something that's the the. Um, it's the, what's the word I'm looking for? It's the uh, accumulation of everybody's yeah, personalities yeah, yeah. And, and attitudes and output. Uh, it's not one that, that, I mean, Steve and I have put in the, the like original pillars, but there's been new ones that are added and spaces filled in by everybody that comes here. And every single person who joins the company, every single person has an impact on who we are as an organization. So we're going to close this one up, um, Aaron. If there was one thing that you, looking back, you say, I wish I had done this differently or I'd, this was kind of a mistake at the time, but it looked good at the time. We've all had those kind of experiences. What, what would you say that might be? I think, I think uh, we all find ourselves in situations where we make compromises. And I, I'd say that when you're, when you're in a lot of, when you're being challenged because you need somebody for a role, mm. you'll, you'll make a compromise, think, oh, well, they'll be good enough. And consistently, I look back and just go, yeah, we shouldn't have made that compromise. Right. You know? And oftentimes, it's because you're like, yeah, they're, they're good enough for right now. Mm -hmm. And um, that's something that you, you, you tend to regret. Good advice. There we go. Right. I think we'll call it a draw then. Thank you very much for your time there, Aaron. Great. Thanks, Dan.